Oh, good morning and welcome to the Art of Service Live. It is Thursday morning, 6 a.m. Yay! The joys of um, different time zones. And uh, I'm super excited that today I have with me Yen Yun. And Yen, we have seen each other. Um, we have not seen each other for nine years this year. I think, I think we, so. We graduated it's been a long time from, since MIT. Yeah, exactly. We graduated from our entrepreneurial master's program at MIT in 2013. So oh, wow. we have a 10-year anniversary coming up next year. <laughs> <laughs> that flies. Isn't, isn't that wild? That's so, crazy. When I think about you, I still think about you as the CEO of um, the sushi company that you used to have. But I know that you're now a CEO in a commercial real estate company. Um, so rather than me just reading your LinkedIn bio, how do you usually introduce yourself? Oh, wow. Gosh, uh, I think a, a lot of things. I, I try to tell people that uh, before I'm a business person, I'm actually a husband, a father, a son, a brother, uh, and, and a friend. And to me, those things are more important than even, even the business side of things. Um, from a business aspect of things, uh, you know, I've been in the commercial real estate space now going on eight years, uh, which uh, is the second longest industry career I've had. The, the longest actually has been in the wealth management business when I first graduated from school. Uh, and I uh, did wealth management for about 13 years. Uh, and then during our period, when we knew each other, I was uh, we started the concept of how do you roll, which was a sushi concept. And uh, that was a, a six year venture. Mm. So uh, this one's going on passing that venture in terms of time frame. Yeah. And what made you interested in commercial real estate? Because it's, it's quite different from wealth management or a sushi company. Yeah, it is. You know, it was a category that fascinated me. Um, <clears throat> I would venture to say that at the time I picked it because not only did I meet somebody uh, that, that was in that space, our founders, um, but more importantly, it was because it was a space that I, I knew the least about. And so I thought it was a challenge. I, I really I really took it on because I was like, I really like to learn more about that. Um, always knew about real estate. Uh, we even during wealth management had people invested in real estate, but really didn't know the operations and the nuances. And I really wanted to to learn that part of it. And so it's been a fun it's been a fun eight years uh, as we've gone through the, the, the you know ups and down cycles too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to ask some questions about that later as well. Um, but before we get into that, what I'm really interested in is the difference in approach or the difference in how it makes you feel from owning a business to so being entrepreneurs now being an intrapreneur so you're being entrepreneurial within a business how does that shift your mindset you know it's it's the same but different and and let me explain what i mean by that uh it's the same in the sense that when you're running business there are a lot of commonalities and it, it, and the the industry is uh, not necessarily that relevant to the ubiquitousness of business, right? So when we were in the MIT program, we learned a lot about everything from the finances to the uh, customer service to uh, product supply chain, cash flow, all of that stuff. That stuff is ubiquitous to whatever business that you're mm -hmm. in. So whether I'm in real estate or I'm in sushi franchising, or if I'm in wealth management, it all it all works the same. You know, you got revenues, you got expenses, you got NOI, you're trying to get EBITDA, you're trying to get valuations, you're trying to get customers, 
all of those things uh, still still happen. Um, the difference is that as an entrepreneur and a startup, the initial process and the energy process that it takes to get things going is very different than when you join uh, something that's already existing. In this particular case, I joined something that was already 12 years in the making. Mm. And so through that process, it was a little different because you had infrastructure already built. Uh, you had things that were already going on and that allowed you to accelerate a little bit faster uh, and still bring your entrepreneurial uh, abilities. Mm -hmm. But you had people to work with, cash to work with, uh, you know, office space to work with, uh, systems and computers to work with. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting uh, fresh, uh, you got to go buy all that stuff and hire those people. And, you know, you got to put all that stuff together. And so the 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 timing and the time it takes is a little bit different. And to me, that's the biggest difference. It's really all up front as opposed to once a business is going, it all starts working very similar. Yeah, yeah. But then how do you control that itch? You know? That <laughs> yeah, I still have it. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Um, you know, I think part of it is that uh, the purpose that you have behind what you're doing. Uh, if you if you have purpose uh, in terms of what you're doing, then you tend to continue on with it. Mm -hmm. uh, if not, then you have to be entrepreneur and you start over and you find new purpose. And, 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 and that's the itch that you're talking about. Um, you know, there's there's days uh, there's days when I'm looking around like, oh, man, it'd be really cool to start this up or, oh, man, it'd be really neat to, to do this. I feel like I see an opportunity in the market or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, if you've got people that you're already working with and things that you're trying to accomplish and there's a reason of what you're trying to accomplish, it helps with not getting uh, what, what we, we entrepreneurs call ADOS, which is attention deficit. Oh, shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and we don't have that. No, not at all. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, all the I time. <laughs> <laughs> um so but um one of the because i just had a chat with somebody yesterday and he was like oh but you only talk to entrepreneurs you only talk to people who um forge their own path in life you only talk to mm. people who create their own destiny um and it made me think that it is as as entrepreneurs as business owners it can be perceived as a very um almost like an elite status of standing besides um, society or you know life as a whole because you are forging your own path but then in the same sentence people often say about oh but yeah but you can never be employed by uh, by a boss ever again well you've proved that wrong so, <laughs> so well, how, well, luckily <laughs> luckily the, the the yeah it's 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 more of a partnership and and uh the, they're entrepreneurs themselves so that really helps uh, if it wasn't for that, and actually, funny enough, the, my partners, uh, we met through EO, which is how we also met through MIT, yeah. right? It was, is through uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. And so that helps. That helps mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, I do see that it, it, is, it, it can be challenging for some folks. And sometimes I have that challenge, which is, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm so used to playing, playing, I don't want to say playing God, but I'm so used to just calling the shots. Yeah. That if you don't have that latitude, it can be very challenging if you're used to being an entrepreneur yeah. um, where everything is your vision, how you want to do things um, and, 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 and the way you see the world. 
they, that can be a challenge. Uh, and I'm not going to say that I don't have those challenges, uh, but you can temper, you can temper those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the other side of the coin, like what makes you really, really good at being a CEO, like as, as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, what are the qualities that we have that makes really good executive people in organizations? Well, you know, I, I see it as a couple of key things. Uh, as a CEO, you're really, and to be really good at a CEO, you're really tasked with a couple of key things. Number one is you are tasked with having a vision. And if you don't have a vision that everyone can follow, then I think you you fail as a CEO because people don't know where you're trying to go and, and what your mission is or where your vision is going. So it's very important as a CEO to have a very strong mission and vision that can be casted out there to your folks so that they completely understand why you exist and why you're saying the things that you're saying. That's number one. I think number two, just as equally important, is that you actually care about what you're doing and the people that you're doing it with. Without the, the people and the human resources, which is typically in every business, the most expensive and the most uh, uh, fluid uh, resource that you have, if you're not thinking about that, then I think you have a very hard time being a good CEO and being able to build. Because ultimately, as a CEO, you're a leader. You're not a manager. You're a leader. And there's a there's a big difference uh, in terms of, of thinking and, and, and process there. And as a leader, what you really want to be able to do is really galvanize people and, mm. and lead people to a certain direction. Um, so when I think about leadership and the great leaders, great leaders exist in all aspects and all fields. And, and a CEO is a part of that in a business. And that person has to have the characteristics of not so much of a uh, well, you have to be a certain age or a certain uh, skin color or a gender or anything like that. It's really about the mentality of, do I see something out there that we really uh, need to move towards? And then I can bring everybody to go move towards that. Mm. And to me, those are the two most important things about being a CEO. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about vision. Because you're in uh, the commercial real estate space at the moment. So I think I make the assumption that having a strong vision is really important at the moment. So, <laughs> so what's, your, what's your future plan? What's your vision? What's going on in commercial real estate? Because you're based in Texas still. We are, uh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're based in Texas. Um, we've had a great run in Texas in terms of real estate. So that's, that's been very helpful. But to the point of what is our vision and where are we going as a company, um, that really has to, 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 to be uh, explained. And the reason why is because doing commercial real estate is a part of a process. It's no different than running restaurants or having a wealth management practice or anything else that I've done, creating a board game, <laughs> done that before too. Any, any of those types oh, of things. I remember right? that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't talk much about that one. <laughs> well, I actually turned out I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> but as a company, what, we, what we've decided to do and, and where I'm trying to lead the company to is this idea of, um, how do we as a company doing commercial real estate 
help actually solve some of the social injustices that we see in our community and in our world. And in doing that, what we decided was that what we really needed to do was bring in more diversity and inclusion into commercial real estate. Uh, commercial real estate is kind of a, a good old boy, uh, uh, older relationship type business that has really not really experienced the diversity in some other areas, maybe perhaps like tech or, 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 or even medicine for that example. Uh, so in commercial real estate, it's not, it's very homogeneous and it's not very well diverse. And so our passion as a company is now to not only can we do really do, do well in what we do, we make money, we do well, uh, but also do good at the same time. Mm-hmm. And those two things do not have to be mutually exclusive from one another and they're not binary. And so what we want to do is actually do commercial real estate, but also do it in a way that actually brings in more folks and include more people into commercial real estate so that that wealth and, 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 and that wealth gap can be can be minimized and, and wealth can be dispersed in a different way. And so that's really what we're focused on in terms of uh, commercial real estate and, and what we're trying to do in the industry. Yeah. And why commercial? Why not residential? Because when I think about uh, looking in from the outside, um, American real estate, um, like widening of gaps, uh, the crumbling of the middle class, you know, all that seems to be happening. Um, it, it almost feels like in residential, you can make a lot of difference. So why commercial? Yes. Well, so so we actually do it commercial because that's our expertise and that's what we know. With the Onyx Impact Fund that we're putting together right now, that is actually ubiquitous in all the different categories. So if if somebody wants to get into single family homes and building that and selling that, we can help fund that. If they want to get into commercial real uh, real estate from an office perspective, we can help with that project. The whole idea is to actually raise that capital and actually deploy it into minority or women-owned sponsors and developers. Mm. And so in doing that, we actually can do all different types of real estate, Uh, build a hotel or, uh, you know, uh, build a warehouse space. It it doesn't even matter. Uh, Our expertise just happens to be in the multifamily space, which is residential, but apartment complexes. And so so we'll continue to do that. We're not going to stop doing that. But specific to Onyx and, and the capital being raised, we're still going to do our projects, but we're also going to help other uh, minorities and women get into the commercial real estate field and, and help build them up as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool to see you so passionate about this. Like it's <laughs> it's not just a job. It's, it's really making a difference. And that that's really that just radiates off you. That's really cool. Well, thank you. You know, for me, that my thought process is, is fairly simple. We don't, we, we, you know, we come in the world with nothing. We leave the world with nothing. So everything in between is just helping people and helping society. Right. So I think that that is that, that to me is the, the most important part, right? Building a foundation, helping the next generation and continuing on with that, that, that yeah. process. Yeah, absolutely. So while that is all really positive and, and it's all fun, there's also the, I, I don't want to say boring, but it's the, um, <laughs> business side of the business and that's also how i'm looking at it because you know our business is all in risk management and compliance and we always say like you know as it as far as it comes to compliance we put our clients in control like you're in control you need to 
have the tools to do all your compliance checks and assessments and all that sort of stuff. So what are in the last few eight years in commercial real estate, what are the big things you've learned personally as a CEO of how important it is to know your blind spots and how important it is to be across what's happening in your organization in relation to risk management and compliance? Yeah, wow, that's that's a that's a really good question, right? Because there's so many pieces to it. And and when I think of risk for our company, I think about it in a lot of different buckets. And so what I mean by that is there is the uh, and I'll break each of these buckets down. But essentially what you have is we have physical assets. We have physical uh, apartment complexes and real estate that we own. There is a risk management that we have to do to protect that asset by itself, whether it's from uh, natural disasters, flooding, tornadoes, uh, you know, those sorts of things to hail damage, roof problems, that, that sort of stuff. Then you also have to mitigate also from the people that are using that real estate. Uh, and you have to worry about what if somebody slips and falls, right? What if, what if, what if something bad happens? What, what if an employee does something that they're not supposed to? All of those things become part of that conversation. And that's just at the asset level, right? That's mm -hmm. just at the real estate level. Then when you also look at it from an overall perspective, from a company perspective, I'm worried about things like cybersecurity, right? That's a big risk. Uh, and, and getting hacked is not a, seems like it's not a if, it's a when. Mm. And so now how do you protect yourself from that, right? And then you also have the people that are involved. Human resources is very complex and that generates its own risk uh, profiles within itself. Uh, when, you know, uh, employees do things that they're not supposed to or say things they're not supposed to and and they do things in error or whatever it might be. That's a whole nother pile of risk that you have to focus on and worry about from a liability perspective, et cetera. Then you have even a bigger risk, which is the macro. What is going on in the in the in, in, in the, the city, the state, the country, the world? Right. Like, it just keeps going further and further out. Uh, I don't know if we'll have to worry about space one day, but, you know, one day we might have to worry about what's happening on the moon or, you know, at Mars or whatever. <laughs> but today, you know, when you look at that, you know, there's risk that's happening in, in that arena as well, too. And so when I break it down in all the, the, the different categories, um, I feel like we can have a pretty good handle at the asset level because we've done that for as a business and, and, and we're OK there. When you look at it from a company perspective, again, I feel okay, we can find a way to solve some of those issues. From a global macroeconomics level, I have much less control and much less ability to mitigate those risks. And so as a company, that's what I'm most worried about. I'm looking at interest rates every day. I'm looking at how the market in terms of supply and demand is going. Those are the things that keep me up at night. And, and even human resources, um, you know, you hear about the great resignation. So how do you find talent and, and how long will that talent last? Those are all things that are running through my head all the time, you know, as a CEO uh, and as, as a business person. Yeah. Yeah. And and what what are your mitigation strategies? Like, how do you find that information? How do you how do you close all those gaps in, in, in knowledge and understanding? Well, that, that takes a lot of time and, 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 and due diligence, right? And so from a macro level, read a lot, study a lot, look at the trends, get as much information as you can, talk with as many people as you can, 
you know, experts are, are so-called experts, but mm. they don't have a crystal ball either, right? Yeah. And so the more talking points you have, the more you can try to assess, okay, well, this is a, you know, 50, 100% probability, but this is only a 2% probability. So you can start kind of putting systems in place to try to help that, right? Mm. So if you're worried about interest rates and you've got floating rate debt, then put somebody on it and say, okay, watch this. And, and in the meantime, let's go refinance it to a permanent debt. Those are the types of things that are happening uh, ongoing as a way to protect the business, uh, mm. to make sure that the business and the investment is sound. Uh, and so those things are happening. Then there's also the just go buy an insurance policy, right? So, um, you know, for for example, errors and omissions. I have that 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 kind of coverage on anybody that is in the advice and, and could make errors and any omissions that happen that could affect economically an impact to an investor or anybody else. Um, those are all different ways of just kind of working through the continuum to make sure that things are are, are okay. Uh, I don't know if I can cover everything. There's always something that, you know, is a blind spot, but that's why it's a blind spot because I don't know that it's there. You don't uh, know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's all you can do. And you just try to do the best you can, right? And yeah. make sure that you can survive. Yeah, exactly. And um, looking at it from your entire journey, um, you're now very much across all your, your risk profiles, your plans, your, you know, all your systems and everything that you've just mentioned. What is it that you do now that you wish you would have known when you had your wealth management business or even, you know, this is how we roll the sushi business? <laughs> so I get to go back in time and fix everything. <laughs> but with, you know, knowing what you know now, well, what, what advice or recommendation or experience share, you know, because... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll experience here. We'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll be gestalt about it. Um, I think there's a lot of pieces that if I went back in time, I probably would have done differently. Uh, but that, that's also what causes the, the problems, the mistakes, and that's where you learn. Right. Uh, but knowing what I know now, I think there's a couple of pieces that um, are, I think would be critical for me if I went back in time. One is really making sure that, um, the human resources piece and the people, uh, was a bigger focus for, for me and for my team. Um, I think when I was younger, uh, I would have, I would hate to say this, but it's true. I think my ego got into my way a lot more than it does today. I try to keep my ego in check a lot better than I used to. But when I was young, even in the wealth management business, um, I didn't view people, the same way I view people today. I think when I was in my 20s, you know, starting out, it was like, you know, oh, everybody's expendable. We're all replaceable. You hear that all the time. We're all replaceable. And, and to some degree, the replacement part is true, right? But at the same time, if you want a business to run smoothly, that turnover is a killer, mm. right? And a lot of us who have been in business for a long time now know, recognize that. And we right. recognize that how when you have high turnover all the time, that is a business killer because the cost to train, read through that process over and over again becomes such a burden, right? Yeah. Uh, how many times do you want to train somebody how to roll a sushi roll? How many times do you want to have to train somebody to understand a balance sheet? How many times do you have to train somebody to understand how debt works in a real estate transaction? 
those things take a long time, right? And I would say if I went back, that would be one thing that I would work on better, which is how do I keep people longer and longer so that they add more and more value and I don't have to go through that process over and over and over again. Because that also lowers your risk profile because it lowers the yeah. risk of mistakes. And like you say, your errors and omissions because a new yeah. person on the job will make more than somebody who is more experienced and educated. It will yeah. also reduce the risk of um, like com compliance issues within, within HR because – the core values of the business, the um, the policies and procedures that you have in relation to, you know, how do we play nice with each other and how do we politely disagree about certain subjects? So it's, you know, all those all those things. Because and, and that's why I asked you about go back in time because in your current role, you're very clear in your risk management processes on people are important, Cybersecurity, definitely important and sure for things. Now, you're very clear, you're very structured, you know exactly where you're standing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it wasn't like that when you were starting up. No. And that, you know, that, no, I'm probably focusing, probably focusing on the wrong things as well. Um, you know, I think when you're, when you're younger, um, the, the trade off is that you don't have the wisdom. But you have the energy and the ability to push, uh, physically push things harder, and 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 you try to will things harder, right? Uh, and to some degree, that works well for you. Then, as you get older and you have more experience, you start realizing that, oh well, that was kind of dumb. You're stream, you're you're swimming upstream mm -hmm. instead of going with the flow, right? And and you get wiser to not fight whether it's mother nature or, or, or just how human, human psychology works or whatever it might be, you tend not to fight it as hard and you learn to go with it. Yeah. And to me, that is the biggest, you know, learning in life, which unfortunately none of us get it till we're older. And then we try to give it to people oh, who are younger, but they don't hear it. Right. <laughs> be proud of your mental scars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if I told my 21 year old self, I still wouldn't have listened. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You go like, no, 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 because I know better. I know how to That's do That's right. <laughs> um, so here in Australia, we've just started our new financial year because that starts in July, goes from July to June. So everybody's mm. doing the annual planning and, you know, forward looking and, um, you know, so like we're saying, the crystal, the crystal ball of what's, what's going to happen in 22, 23 um, you mentioned earlier that having a vision is really important. So what, what's on your, you know, short to medium term future? What, what's happening in your part of the world in the next 12 months? What, what are you preparing for? Well, we're, we're, we're preparing for recession. Uh, and, and, and whether it's here or not, um, I think it's going to come at some point. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're worried about what the overall macro environment is going to be and, and what does that mean to the slowdown that a recession causes and how does that bleed into our business model and what we're working on. Um, that is definitely on the forefront of, I would say, most people's minds at this point in time. Um, and, you know, some of that is just being caused more generically because of inflation and how things are working. Um, from a bigger level of, of thinking, one of the things I, I, I'm, I'm interested in un seeing and understanding more about is 
are we going through a deglobalization period, right? Mm. Where for a long time, it seemed like globalization was the answer. But now it seems like we're in a period where we're going deglobalization and we're reverting back in closer to ourselves versus out. Mm. And uh, that I think has very interesting consequences uh, for the human race in general. Um, and, and, and is it efficient? Is it not efficient? Uh, and it seemed like things were going well, but then somehow we're kind of going the other direction and saying, well, maybe it's better if we have manufacturing inside our own place and, mm. and, and be less dependent on somebody else because the political climate could change. Uh, and that's risk mitigation, really, right? Mm. That's really what we're talking about. Uh, it doesn't build efficiency. And that's the balance that I'm looking at, which is if I'm fighting the risk, but I can't I can't do it into a point where it hurts the efficiency of the economics that I'm trying to generate. And I think sometimes we go too far one direction or the other. And finding that balance is the, is, is the most interesting part of this conversation. Um, and where will we be from a real estate perspective and where will we be from an economic perspective? Yeah. Yeah. So. How do you keep that balance? Because like you say, it's really easy to go full-blown into risk mitigation and completely yeah. forget about the efficiencies in the business itself. And then, you know, you end up with this red tape administrative process that is just not workable. So who holds you accountable to keep that in balance? Well, for me, uh, it's all the people around me. Uh, it's everybody from my partners to my 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 you know sea level folks to the folks that are on on, on the ground. Um, everybody is responsible for seeing and and communicating what they're seeing, right? And then that that communication piece is a big part of it. Um, but then also, you need to make sure you're surrounding yourself with you know uh, mentors and coaches and, and thinkers. Uh, and peer groups that can help with that, right? Whether it's like an EO type group or or uh, a tab or whatever it might be. Uh, and then also just, you know, getting multiple sources of economic news and, and, and industry expert uh, information. All of that is important. And, and, and I think that that's the biggest part of it. Um, it. It also is one of those where sometimes if you know that the hurricane is coming and there's nothing you can do about it, then all you can do is go into survival mode, right? And then you start pulling in and you say, well, I just need to make sure I have in business, have maybe a little heavier cash position, right? How do we protect the uh, assets uh, on, the, on, on, the, on the balance sheet better? How do we minimize liability so that we don't have to have as many problems if things were to change? Those are all part of the conversation, right? And, and how do we improve cash flow and, and try to maintain cash flow? Um, those are things you work on every day. That's business. Uh, that that is that is the job of being a part of something, right? Uh, and and so sometimes, uh, you know, maybe at the higher levels, we feel like that's where the responsibility is to think about those things. But even at at at, at a ground level, right? And 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 where the customer interacts with you at that level, you should be thinking about that as well too, right? Uh, you know, do we have to use? This resource, if we don't need to, um, do we have to, you know, s spend you know dollars uh, that we don't need to? Those are all part of the process and, and and part of the the team effort that has to happen in order to to get through the storm. Yeah, yeah, well said. <laughs> it is a team effort. Like you know, nobody's an island, so it's it's 
<laughs> but also having the culture, because I'm hearing that the culture is very open and very um, communicative. So it's it's is there a strict hierarchy, or is everybody empowered to say it as it is, or as they see? Yeah. It? So for us, everyone's the, the there is no hierarchy, right? From from a communication and, and 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 a you know helping the organization standpoint now from an execution standpoint and who does what and whatnot yes we have to have some hierarchy if you will mm. uh, we have fairly flat organization i think overall uh, but the definitions of roles responsibilities the results that everyone needs to get the, you know the requirements of what it takes to get there those are very well defined in our organization um, th that's not something that we we take very lightly uh, so you know, in order for everyone to pull the same direction, everyone knows needs to know what their part is, right? Where they fit into the the, the, the sophistication of the machine that we that we have uh, as a company. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've had people at the ground level tell me things directly, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, it isn't a oh, well, I'm the CEO, so you can't talk to me, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there isn't any of that. Uh, and then again, that's where you know, I, 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 if anything, those folks have the most amount of information because at the ground level is where all the information comes from. Right. Yeah. So if anything, you want to be as close to that as possible. So you, you, you have a better feel and sense of, of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then one of the other things that you've mentioned, um, well, actually you started with that is you're a father, you're a husband, you're, <laughs> you know, you're a family man. Um, we're all talking about, the structure and the system in the organization and how you create balance between risk mitigation and risk management. And um, how do you maintain your balance between being a family man and being a CEO? How good are you at that? <laughs> I think they need to grade me, not, not me. <laughs> you need to ask my wife and my kids to see what they say. Um, you know, that is very important. And, and one thing I learned uh, early on, especially being an entrepreneur, where you have to spend so much time uh, in, in that startup mode, uh, that the this idea of uh, um, what I would call work-life balance, right? People call it work-life balance is there. And I learned early on, really, that there, there's no such thing as balance, because that would mean they have to be equal on that scale for it to balance. So I chose to not think about it that way. And rather, it's about alignment. And so it's the alignment of values and what you're trying to accomplish together uh, as a family, as a team, if you will. Um, that's the most important piece of it. And so I chose to work with that with my wife, who is very open and, and very supportive. And we found what most people call balance, but what we call alignment. And, and, and we, we understand how, you know, we, you know, want to do things, who does what, same thing in a company, whose role is it, whose responsibility is it? And, and we made sure that we were all, we were all going towards the same goals, right? Now that does take some discipline and, and processes. We do annual family planning. We review those goals as a family, you know, and, and we have not only family goals, but individual goals for, 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 for ourselves and for the, for the kids. And all of those is, are part of the conversation. And when you can do that, then dad needing to work late doesn't impact that dad doesn't love me, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's the quality of the time versus the quantity of time, right? Mm -hmm. 
And actually, I have teenagers now. They don't want to hang out with me that much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just give them a few years and they'll be back. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but but that's really that's really what it takes. And so you have to, to me as an entrepreneur and, and as a CEO, I feel like I don't have clarity of mind and be able to go do my job well if I don't have clarity of mind with my family and know that everything is okay there as well. Uh, I think when you have you know, uh, uh, chaos on either side, your life becomes chaotic. You, you mm -hmm. have to have, you know, uh, alignment and, and structure on both and, and everything has to be okay on both. Um, and people joke around happy wife, happy life, right? Happy house, yeah. happy, whatever, you know? The, the, yeah. Yeah. Those things are important. And, and so, um, to me, that's, that's really the first priority. So before I can go into my company and try to lead a company, I've got to make sure that my household is is there, right? Um, and so we spend time on that, and we have conversations about that. And you know, date night is spent. You know, my wife and I talk about the kids and and what's going on, what's next, and you know, how's she feeling about everything and and the direction we're going. And then she wants to know, well, how are you doing on your side with the finances and the money, and you know, and and those are real conversations that that happen very regularly. I'm talking about like every other day to weekly to monthly or whatever it might be. Uh, and to me that that's really, that's really how you, you, you make it all work. Right. And yeah. you, you know, it's funny, but somebody told me once you, you need to make sure you have your priorities straight because <laughs> if you don't, then, you know, you need to have your big rocks as Stephen Covey says, right. If you don't know your big rocks, then it's very hard to figure out everything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And your yeah. priorities have been very straight and very clear for a long time. <laughs> um, you know, it's the family, that's the foundation, that's the basis, and you can build your business life on top of that. So that's, um, yeah. I think that's a, a very healthy position to, um, to run a business, business from. Um, but what about you? Your um, health, your fitness, how do you stay fit enough to remain active in, in the business? And the reason why I'm asking that is that because I've noticed that a lot of the entrepreneurs I'm talking with, mm. they mention how important it is to um, eat well, um, sleep well, uh, as much as possible, uh, <laughs> but definitely exercise and stay healthy and fit in order to do the things they need to do in the in the business. So, yeah, what, the, the, honestly, to all the young entrepreneurs, right, and even the entrepreneurs that feel like they're struggling with this, though the that part of it is probably think about it this way: if you're the machine that makes the money, and you don't take care of yourself, you're the machine. Then that that machine dies and it stops, right? So, to me, mental health and physical health are non-negotiable, especially as an entrepreneur, right? Especially as an entrepreneur. I don't even know how you do it without having great sound mental physicalness, right? Um, great mental health. And then also your body and your physical body and having that healthy as well, too. Now, how do you do it? That is a lifestyle choice to me. It's, it's not so much fad diets and like, oh, well, I look fat. So I got to, you know, jump on and, and, and do this, that. No, it's, it's a lifestyle and it's an ongoing. It never ends. It never changes. It never ends. And so, you know, it, you have to focus on it all the time. Now, for myself, 
mental health wise, I find time to have solitude. I find time to meditate. I try to find time to, to read and, and understand certain things. And that helps me mentally. And when I get to a point where uh, maybe that's not as healthy as I like it to be, I have enablers around me and people who are emotional supports for me to make sure that I get back on track. Right. As far as physical health is, that's just dedication of some time. And that's usually where entrepreneurs say, oh, I don't have the time. I got to go deal with this. I got to go deal with that. But the truth of the matter is that that's yourself prioritizing incorrectly. That's really what it is. When you think about your physical health, all you need is about 20 to 30 minutes every day. You don't have to overdo it. Then after that, it's just your eating habits, right? Your diet is like 70% of your health, right? The other 30% is pretty easy to do, right? I work out and I try to be physical and active at least 20 minutes to an hour pretty much every day of the week. Maybe maybe I take Sunday off, but pretty much every day of the week. And I just pick activities that I enjoy. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I've got to be this bodybuilder, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger muscle type thing. No, I'll just, sometimes it's just go walk for 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes yeah. it's play racquetball with a buddy, you know, for an hour and, and I'll play a pickup volleyball game here or there. You know, it's, it, you just find something, right? Go, go, go golf. And, but instead of riding a cart walk, right. It, that's fine. Uh, all of those things, if you, you can find ways that make physical health and enjoyment as opposed to a chore. Uh, and that's how you do it. Right. And you build it in and you build it into your programming. Right. Um, the sleep part, that's a little more challenging. Everyone sleeps different, has different sleep patterns. Uh, but actually, you know, actually, I, I, so I put this in my first book called The Blind Grind. And I said that, you know, it's recommended that you get eight, but really anywhere from six to eight is the sweet spot. Mm. And so when you when you think about sleep, you've got to make sure you figure out how to do that and how to put that into your system. Um, that one's tricky because that one might take more outside resources, right? Mm. Uh, whether it's like, do you have sleep apnea? Do you, you know, do you, is it your bed? Is it your pillow? Is it the diet that you're on? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into our ability to sleep. Uh, is it things that you're thinking about, like payroll that's keeping you awake at night? I mean, <laughs> those are real things, right? Uh, and so I think that those you have to study and you have to to figure it out. You have to work yeah. at it and, and, and eliminate the things that are causing you not to sleep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's some really good hints and tips in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, just one, it's just one person's uh, perspective and how, how, how it's yeah, No, but it's, it's your experience. It's your, uh, your perspective. I mean, you've been doing this for um, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just called me old, which is true. <laughs> I'm on the gray air. At least, you know, you used to have your I just shave mine off so you can't yeah, see it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, thank you so, so much for your time today. Uh, oh, my it's pleasure. Been, it's been really good to catch up. Um, I did make a, a, a little slide with your um, LinkedIn, uh, your LinkedIn profile. Um, oh, great. Is that the best way for people to connect with you? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a great way to connect. Yeah. 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 LinkedIn is great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, fantastic. So if people have um, questions on how to be an amazing partner, father, well-being, a healthy, fit, mentally health, a healthy CEO, um, or if they have any real estate questions, then um, by all means, connect with Jung on um, LinkedIn. And I... 
thank you officially for being part hey, of Monica, the so good to see you well. yeah so good to connect yeah so glad to see you're doing well as as well so yeah thank you yeah. stay thank in you. touch yeah yeah, Try to get some rest. Um, 6 a.m. is pretty early, so didn't realize we were doing it this early. <laughs> All good. So this is the end of the Art of Service Live for Thursday, the 21st of July. Um, next week, I am back with another one of our MIT um, cohorts, so that'll be really interesting. Who do you have next week? Um, I'm thinking Andrew. I'm not 100% oh. sure. Probably Andrew, either that or Anthony. Um, so yeah, so it's um, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be really good. Um, Wonderful! Excited to hear what they have to say. <laughs>